Good morning. This is Nick and Andrea from Baby Squid Media. This is our first ever uh, parent podcast. Um, this is a podcast about juggling priorities, balancing careers, creating memories, and giving in to the fact that the perfect parent role models we see in the media are more of a facade than reality. So um, we'll go through a number of topics from week to week. The first one we want to talk about today, though, um, because Andrea and I are both big food lovers, is the intersection of food and family. Um, And what I want to bring up first and let Andrea talk about is we recently went to the Major Domo restaurant in Los Angeles, Dave Chang's new restaurant in L.A., Um, and I took my wife, Lindsay, and she brought her son, Jackson, who is 12? 14, just turned. 14. Um, And we had the most amazing time, um, and he's really interested in food as well. So we haven't spoken about this since then, but I'm sure that he talked about his experience after the fact, right? What was his takeaway? He did. He was pretty blown away by the whole experience. I think mainly getting the hands-on or eyes-on in the kitchen and really getting to see behind the scenes all the ins and outs of what goes into the operational side. Um, he just loves food, and he's he's pretty good in the kitchen for someone as young as he is. Um, I think part of that stems from the fact that I was a bit of a freak as a young mom and I let him eat whatever he wanted at a pretty young age so I can remember as young as nine months old we were in South Africa and I was the first one in my peer group out there to have kids and they wanted to go for Thai food so we took them along and so at nine months old I can remember him having his first curry and he hasn't looked back that's awesome my five-year-old's favorite food is uh curry there's a restaurant here in ventura called rice by mama and anytime we ask her what she wants um that's what she says she wants she eats the curry the sushi the 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 drunken noodles everything so that's funny i think that our kids have that in common for sure um so when we were there um not only did we get a visit from the assistant general manager but the head chef came out and and carved up our whole plate short rib which was amazing and then they took him through the kitchen and granted he was wearing a um, pineapple suit a matching pineapple suit which I can't even describe maybe we'll try and show a photo of it on Twitter one day Um, but he was in full get up ready to go and they walked him through the kitchen and, and his facial expressions when he was experiencing some of the food dishes that came out and then the chef coming out and taking him were like mind blown Absolutely. I think he was in shock most of the evening. And the suit, I think, did help get him the tour. Um, Unbeknownst (laughs) to me, I really didn't know the secret sauce about the pineapple being the official emblem of the food industry and hospitality. So that was kind of perfect. Um, I think the only thing that outdid the kitchen experience for him was that magical toilet. So the toilets at Major Domo had like a remote control and there was a built-in bidet and seriously he was gone in the bathroom for like 15 minutes at one point. At least. Um, And I don't think he was in there for that reason. I think he was just playing around. 
I think he was pushing all the buttons, and he did say something about updating his Instagram with random facts, and that he did a little research, and that it's like a $1,600 or $2,000 toilet, and I don't know which impressed him more, the side of beef or the toilet. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. That's hilarious. Well, it was a fun evening. Um, he also shared with us that he's a... It's maybe not Blue Apron, but you guys have something like that where he'll get the recipes in the mail and he'll cook stuff. He's pretty good at it, yeah? He is. I was actually kind of shocked. So when I was in school, I mean, if I could get them fed into bed and get my assignments done, I was doing well. So there were a couple of nights knowing that he's a bit of a foodie where I thought it would be fun to cook as a family. That's what I had had in mind when I ordered it. But as it turned out, I ended up being busy, left him to his own devices, and he sort of took over the younger son as his sous chef and they did their thing in the kitchen stopping only to ask if I wanted a wine pairing so (laughs) I consider myself a pretty fortunate single mom that my son's whipping up some pretty great food and asking me what I want to drink he might have a future in food or wine or both or something that's awesome that's hilarious um I have a similar story. So my kids are five, three, and one, um, almost six, almost four, and almost two, to be exact. Um, and, you know, I grew up in kitchens. My, my dad owned a restaurant, and my mom was a great chef. And so, you know, we were always around food, and we always enjoyed breaking bread together. So I'm trying to pass that down to my kids and our next generation, and my kids love it. Um, in fact, one of our favorite times to spend together is um, – pizza night. I make pizzas from scratch. Um, The other day, they actually helped me make the dough for the first time, which was fun. Um, But really, they like uh, smacking the dough out and putting the toppings on. So here I am in our kitchen. We're smacking the dough out, and I've got my kids standing on little step stools next to me, um, and I'm putting on the toppings and as I'm looking over right everybody first of all when we're rolling out the pizza everybody wants to smack it including my one-year-old who I am now picking up from the floor holding over the pizza so she can smack 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 it Um, and then we put on the sauce and then we put on the cheese and all the toppings and I'm looking over and my kids are just they're eating the cheese they're eating the pepperonis they're eating the pineapples which is my oldest uh daughter Sadie's favorite uh, pizza topping Um, and sometimes by the time the pizza comes out and we sit down to eat it they're full and they don't eat anything because they've been eating the toppings the whole time but um, we put on the sauce everybody's got to put a little scoop of the sauce on and splash it around and move it around and they they love it like this is this is true bonding time these are the memories that I will remember for the rest of my life and hopefully if all goes well they'll pass down to their next generation as well so definitely definitely so it sounds like the key to food prep with the younger generation is to make sure that you want to eat what they're making because they're probably not going to eat it (laughs) maybe (laughs) they'll run out of steam by the time it comes out of the oven maybe maybe that's right um yeah, but, but we love it, you know? Um, and and any time that I do cook in the kitchen and they're around, I try and invite them in. In fact, um, my middle one, Kenzie, who's almost uh, four, um, she has the reputation. She just has bad timing. You know, anytime I'm cooking and they're busy playing, um, as I'm done, as we're almost done with dinner, she'll always come to the kitchen and say, Daddy, can I help you cook? And I'm like, you know where have you been for the last 45 minutes um they've been playing with dolls but um 
they always want to be in there. They always want to be involved. The kitchen is um, the nucleus of our house, and it probably is the room with the most activity on any given day, where there's just me and my wife and the kids going in and out of there, um, helping each other cook and prep and eat. And, you know, we try and sit down as a family every night and have dinner, but it doesn't always work out, so... No, but it makes a lot of sense, especially when the kids are young. A good portion of your day revolves around food, so it does tend to be the hub. I think um, we started a tradition years ago, actually before I had kids. We used to always have a New Year's Eve fondue. And I think the idea was that we, in fact, not New Year's Eve, it was Christmas Eve. The idea behind it was that most of the work goes into the prepping of the food on the table. So when you're done the fondue, there's very little cleanup. So it's kind of beautiful because by the end, once you've had a couple of bottles of wine or whatever else you're drinking and enjoying with your guests, it's really easy to put away. And the next morning, there's no work and you're super full and you're usually in a carb coma. So Christmas morning is fabulous. You're not hungry. You can have a cup of tea. You can have your little Pillsbury or whatever your easy breakfast is and life is good. And then we used to eat our big Christmas dinner, not on Christmas Day, but on Boxing Day in Canada. It's the 26th. Boxing Day is sort of the equivalent to Thanksgiving shopping here in the States. Um, and that was kind of our tradition. We'd shop and then eat. Yeah. But I know the kids really, every year they ask, are we going to get the cheese? Are we going to get the cheese? Because we had out, usually, since living in California, we'll go out to the Grove to Monsieur Marcel. They have amazing cheese out there. Um, and we'll get their little, it's ridiculous. It's like mortgage cheese. $30 a bucket. <laughs> and you need about three of them to make a good size fondue. And then we have snob mac and cheese with the leftover cheese. <laughs> it's the boy's favorite thing ever. That sounds amazing. Who doesn't like hot cheese? I mean, I Absolutely. do. <laughs> and in fact, in fact, that's what we have to try when we go back to Major Domo because the smaller version of the meat dish came with, it looked like a raclette cheese that they heat up or something. Yeah. That's the new, I don't know how to describe it or, or what the specific terms are, but this is like one of the new trends in culinary and restaurants is you get this big wheel of cheese and they put it under the salamander and they heat it up on the top and then a chef comes out to your table and they have like this machete and they're like chopping this cheese off of the wheel onto your plate or whatever it is and then they're mixing it up and we saw that come out a couple of times when we were at Major Domo. Um, and it was amazing. And it's funny. So when that whole plate short rib came out and we were videotaping it, you looked around and there were a number of other diners in the restaurant that were also looking at our table videotaping it as well. And so one of the things that I thought was super cool about Major Domo was they're not just serving you good food. Um, they're creating an experience. Literally every five or ten minutes there, something came out of the kitchen, whether it was this ridiculous, you know, 2,000-pound piece of meat that we put down that night or the hot cheese wheel or those people, remember, they had gloves on. I'm not sure what exactly it was they were eating, but one of the tables by us, they had kitchen gloves on, and they were assembling something on their own. So the restaurant was creating these experiences that were literally – you know, video worthy that that guests were stopping what they were doing, turning around, looking at what other tables were doing, and videotaping it. And I just think that that's that's cool. I don't remember, maybe aside from like Benny Hanna growing up, ever having those types of experiences. And now they're really, really catching on. So um, my oldest would have loved it there too, but she's not even six yet, and 
that place was kind of fancy. I'm not sure I'm ready to put down that kind of coin on a five-year-old. So. Well, but that's where you start them. You start them young so that they can adapt to these places that we want to go to. And that was another thing I mandated very early. I wasn't the McDonald's mom. I mean, nothing against, I get it, go do your thing. I'm surely not one to parent shame. I've made my fair share of oopsies. But um, I always went to Starbucks. I thought, if I'm going to have to breastfeed somewhere, I'm going to go where I can get my latte. <laughs> so I used to go there. Or if we went for dinner, I went to a fancy place, and I just tried to time it really well around when the kids were eating. So that might, again, have something to do with why my eldest is such a foodie. I think it's just built into the family, and I think it's built into the parents, and it gets passed down. We're the same way. I'm trying to think back. So when Sadie, my oldest, was, God, she must have been three or four months old, we took our first trip. Um, my wife and I went up to Cambria in central coast of California, um, and this is three or four months into our first kid. We're not sleeping well. We haven't been out at all ever and we're up on vacation in this place that has great restaurants and we thought we would go have a nice meal our first nice meal now granted we don't have a babysitter so my wife and I are at this nice seafood place on the coast and we're ordering appetizer ordering food and the baby was asleep at the time but that only lasted 10 minutes and then she woke up and of course she was screaming She's three months old. She didn't know. So my wife and I are at this fancy restaurant, and we are literally taking turns walking the baby outside for five or ten minutes so that the other person could pig out on their fresh fish that has just been taken out of the oven and then come back in and then switch. And we would switch and switch. Um, and we actually had another couple who were our parents' age, you know, maybe, you know, grandparents' age at the time, um, as we were, were finally leaving for the night. Um, they weren't mad at all. They were actually the opposite. They were smiling at us, and they said, we really applaud you. We watched you tonight, and you guys were very brave. And I'm like, that's right. I'm having my fancy meal. I don't care if the kid's three months old and crying. Um, but you also have to be respectful of the diners. We weren't just going to have the kid screaming there, so we, you know walked her outside so absolutely and I think it's a fine line between keeping your identity as a couple that's so hard when you have young children and especially wanting to have those experiences that we're talking about you can't so many people I think put their life on hold when they have kids and yes parenting is a huge responsibility but you're also you and I think the minute you let go of that you do a disservice not only to yourself but to your kids because they're modeling that behavior so um, it's so important. And I think, yes, it's a fine line between annoying everyone around you because you want that moment. But it's also very important to remember who you are and what you enjoy and take those moments with or without your kids. Yeah. Absolutely. Jump in. Do it. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you a question. And this comes mainly from my childhood. Um, and, and, and the decision that I need to make with my kids, not that I'm going to make decisions for them, um, but your son Jackson being 14, he's you know old enough to the point where he might have real interests that could possibly define his life. Um, when I was young, my dad owned a restaurant, um, and I grew up loving being in restaurants and liking cooking and so on, but I was never really pushed in that direction from a career standpoint. Maybe it's because my dad knew how hard of an industry it is um, and how much work and blood, sweat, and tears goes into, into that. Um, but nobody really ever said to me when I was young, 
hey, maybe you want to be a chef or go to culinary school or something like that. Now, granted, we also hadn't had the rise of, you know, cuisine like we have it now. You know, there was no Gordon Ramsay and Emeril and, and Guy Fieri and Dave Chang back then. Um, but at the same time, I kind of think, you know, as I get older and I see people being unhappy in their careers, I think one of the big mysteries to solve in life is having a job that you truly enjoy. Since I love being around food and cooking and eating, um, I look back and I wonder why nobody really pushed me in that direction. So this is my long-winded way of saying, you've got your son. He's interested in this stuff. Are you presenting this as a potential career option for him? Or are you trying to stay out of it? I don't know if that's the right term. Yeah, no, I understand. Truthfully, I'm sort of letting him steer the boat. I try to encourage him, and certainly that was part of my motivation for taking him to Major Domo that night, was to sort of inspire that in him if it's something that he really has an innate passion for, which I've seen. Um, experience, the little bit of experience I've had with him in the past has taught me that the harder I push, the more he'll, he'll bolt. And that's probably his age and the testosterone and everything else. So I'm trying to present opportunities not just for inspiration, but also to grow in that direction. But at the same time, I'm sort of letting him lead the charge. Having said that, I did give him a bit of a nudge to the high school he's going to because they have a very, very good culinary program. It doesn't start his freshman year, so I'm just trying to keep the wheels turning. In the meantime, maybe get him some knife skills and that sort of thing so that he's ready to rock. If I can build his confidence, then when he does start it, hopefully the momentum will build from there. So um, I'm supporting it, but not pushing it. He's tried other things in the past that when I've pushed, he's sort of pushed back. So, And that's probably smart, especially with teenage boys. Yeah, you don't want to push too hard. Let them kind of figure out their own way. Um, but I guess I look at the big picture of, you know, where society is going, and there's a, there's a stigma right now about college, right? Um, when we were younger, it was our parents steering us into college like obviously you graduate high school the the obvious next step is to go into college well here we are fast forward 20 years later and you look at what that history degree has done for your career and maybe it hasn't done so much um so as an alternative i think you're going to start seeing people going into the direction of more vocational schools right don't go to a four-year university um, and try and figure out what major you want to be and then go in that direction. You know, maybe you're 18, 19 years old. You like food. You right. like cutting hair. You like working on cars. Maybe instead you go to a two-year, you know, culinary institute, and boom, you're 20 years old. You've got a job. Um, and if you ever wanted to go back to college later on down the road, you can. I guess I'm just curious um, from a future standpoint, what's your perspective on that? Is is college a given, or are we considering other options? Well, the conversation his dad and I have sort of had between us and also with Jack has been, there's definitely expectation that he's going to have some formal training in some area. Um, what he and I, what his dad and I have started talking about is having him commit to a four-year school and then taking a gap year so that he's deferred but enrolled so that at least he's coming back to something. Um, 
within that, if he just gets a certificate or an AA or something, I'm fine with that. I just want him to have some sort of formal and preferably relevant education, whether that's general business, maybe some entrepreneurial skills, maybe restaurant management, something that he can segue into things that he's already passionate about. If it doesn't go anywhere, it's still a great skill set that he can build on. Um, but I don't want him to just run at it. And that's not from the standpoint of trying to squash his passion, but I'm kind of trying to balance the passion with the practical side. Because I've seen, it's interesting because I work with a lot of creatives um, in music and, and various art forms, and, and the challenge I see is that they don't learn the practical skills as readily, and so they can find themselves stuck. They have this incredible gift, but they don't know how to market it. They don't know how to get it out into the world. They don't know how to take themselves to the next level, even though they have all these tools to pull from. Um, and so I don't want him to fall into that if he does decide to go into a more creative sort of job or career. Which is really interesting because you can look at the opposite side of that, which is um, pushing your kids too far at too young of an age to the point where they don't like it anymore. And I played you know, competitive baseball when I was younger, and I saw a lot of that towards my senior year of high school, including myself. Some of us were over it. Some of us had been training so hard at such a young age that by the time it became a potential you know, career path for us, we didn't want anything to do with it. So I think there's a fine line that you kind of got to float there. So There really is, and that brings up an interesting dilemma and one that I've definitely been faced with very recently because my eldest starting high school freshman year has never really been in consistent organized sports and there's a lot of mom guilt with that because I feel like to be honest part of it is I haven't really pushed because it's a lot of work it's a huge time commitment at the same time he's never really asked me if there was something that he was really begging to do I'd be all about it and I would do whatever I needed to do to support him but there is some guilt there part of me feels especially looking back on my upbringing I was sort of the band geek and I was supported in that way but I was never pushed towards sports even when I sort of dipped my toe in it was never really encouraged it wasn't discouraged but I think maybe for the same reason my mom had three kids and it was a lot of work and um, so I kind of wonder should I be pushing but then I hear things like what you're saying from a lot of the kids that were pushed in every area and they just got burnt out so I'm hoping I'm doing the right thing by letting him lead and just sort of encouraging where I see him light up and hopefully he'll pick up some sort of sports. I know he likes he likes diving, he likes surfing. Hopefully that'll offset the cooking, but I guess time will tell. Cool. Well, and I think that also really, you know, hints at one of the main themes of this podcast that we're looking to get at, which is, um, you know, the idea that that perfect parent role model is out there, and it's really just a facade, right? We're really trying to wing it and do what's best on any given day for ourselves for our for our loved ones for our families and so on um, and there is no right or wrong there's just there's lots of gray you know when you're young you think that parenting is such an absolute right it's just you do it this way this is the right way and you don't do it that way because that's the wrong way and then you have kids and it's like well but neither of those ways is the right way or the wrong way there there's lots of different uh, directions that you can that you can go so there really are, and I think, you know, we grow up looking at these visions of perfection, and a lot of those kids that were sort of raised in a bubble end up imploding at one time or another. And not only that, but we, we think that our parents and our elders, if you want to call them that, growing up are so perfect, and there's this certain 
age or stage you get to when you realize, wait a minute, they're kind of full of crap. I don't know when that was for you, but but there were numerous. I mean, I'm not going to call out mom and dad. Sorry, guys. But, um, but you know, there were various stages along the way where I went, wait a minute. And I was kind of left scratching my head thinking, they have no idea what they're doing. And there was some freedom in that. There was also some terror because everything that you thought you knew in this map you thought you had doesn't really exist. Right. So it's like, wait a minute, we're all winging this. Oh, crap. Yeah. So uh, I think the bottom line for me was that realization that my kids need me to be what they need me to be. And it has nothing to do with what I did or didn't get for me because they're not me. And that was a big one for me. That was hard because for a long time I was really trying to do all the things for them that I didn't get, not realizing that that's not their experience. So that's not necessarily what they need or want from me. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was just really learning to parent with really big ears, which is often frustrating because it meant I had to close my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll have to learn that lesson one day for sure. <laughs> um, so kind of going back to, to the cooking, um, my oldest daughter is Sadie, and she's probably the one that's the most interested in the kitchen. She always wants to know what I'm doing in there, and she's the one that loves curry and sushi. She, she's five. She loves curry. She loves sushi. She loves Mexican food. She eats everything that we put in front of her. Um, you know, the, the camp, the summer camp at the, at the local preschool that she used to go to, um, we put the kids through this year, and it was like a dance and cheer camp, which was cute. But then my wife tells me that there's a, there's a culinary, there's like a chef-focused one. I think they have to be like seven or eight years old. And I'm like, my eyes are lighting up. I'm like, no way. So the seven or eight-year-old can like have a summer in the kitchen learning how to cook at such a young age. So we asked my daughter if she'd be interested, and she is ready to go. She wants to go now. She wants us to ask if they can make an exception and put her in already and so on. Um, so I just think that, that I want to get her in the kitchen as much as possible if that's what she loves to do. And again, even if she doesn't go that direction, she's five, so we don't know what she's going to be. But even if she doesn't decide to go that direction from a career standpoint, what I feel like is the most important thing, the takeaway is, as a family, we break bread together, we, we celebrate the day with each other over food, over wine. Now, I don't give my five-year-old wine people, don't tweet at me. Um, but, but that's the experience. That's what I grew up with, a family who celebrated over food and loved food. You know, I always say my favorite holiday of the year, it's actually Thanksgiving. Why? Because there's no expectations aside from the fact that we're going to get together and eat together, and that's the whole day. It's just food. Um, so, you know, I'm trying to pass that on, um, and it seems like, you know, they like it. Um, I mean, it's the one true thing I mean death taxes but we got to eat <laughs> so that's really a it's a great grounding agent if you will for our kids because and it, I mean you hear these stories of kids going off to college and mom's at home thinking oh I've lost my boys especially and that's something I dread but I know I can get them back with good food <laughs> at least once a month or maybe once a week depending on where they're living so I'm like all right we're gonna do a trade he can, he can come cook the meal because I know he's gonna want to even better I'll do the laundry you cook dinner it's on <laughs> I've got a great story I haven't thought about this in years and you just made me think of about this and you were talking about that so um the the restaurant that my family owned when i was growing up was an italian restaurant um and my favorite one of my favorite meals 
ever is uh, chicken parmesan. Um, so I kid you not, I was in the dorms. I was away at college. I was turning 18, and I was in Colorado. And for my birthday, I got in the mail. I don't even know how they pulled this off. Um, chicken already cooked like it would be for Parmesan, right? Breaded and fried. My mom's homemade sauce, cheese, everything that I would need to assemble chicken Parmesan in the dorm microwave for my birthday. Um, so big shout outs to my mom. I'd say my mom and dad, um, but chances are that was, that was my mom. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, and that's, I, I can't believe I still have that memory. That was 20 years ago. Um, and it's something that I'll probably never forget. And it's to your point, that food is what keeps me coming out. Now I've taken that marinara sauce, which is a family marinara sauce, and I've added to it over the years, and I've got my own version of it, but I kid you not, my mom made it for family dinner, you know, maybe a couple of months ago, and it tasted like my childhood. It was different. Even though my recipe is almost the same as her recipe, hers tastes like my childhood, and I will always go back to that. It's funny how we do that. Food, it's definitely, it's, it's a very, very strong sensory memory. And uh, yeah, I think I, if we do nothing else right, we handle the food, I think we're good. I'm just going to trick my kids into loving me by feeding them. <laughs> Absolutely. Forget the stuff. We're going to do it with food. Which now I realize is what my parents did for me when I was young. So there you go. Um, um, so I think at least for our first conversation, we're going we're gonna to cut it here. There is obviously... Um, more conversations to be had um, but in the meantime this is our first podcast about parenting for baby squid media so stay tuned for more we will discuss other topics a lot of which are going to be about how imperfect parenting is and how much of a cluster you know what it can be or a train wreck or what was the other sentiment uh, comedy of errors Absolutely. Um, we're winging it. Be, we're winging it. <laughs> we're winging this podcast. We're winging being parents. I'm winging my career. <laughs> there, there's, a, there's a common theme here, people. Don't overthink. Just do it. Agreed. All right. Signing off. Take it easy.